V&A has very large collections, which derive primarily from Europe and from the great cultures of Asia. They were collected initially because it was believed that they provided the best examples of design in the past. I've seen sculptures, I've seen old paintings, wonderful old beds. We came specifically to see the jewellery collection here. We've been into backstage areas to go and have a look to see what the, the dress collection holds backstage. The V&A was founded in the 19th century with a very strong aim, which was to support British industry by the education of designers. And I also think we have a very strong role in terms of bringing awareness of design and the importance of design to a much wider audience. At the V&A, we reach out to a very broad spectrum of visitors. Um, we're interested in many different diverse audiences with different kinds of needs and expectations. There are two things that we broadly try and do. One is to present our collections in a broad cultural context. That's to enable people to understand why things look as they do, what the culture that produced them was, who the leaders of taste were, what we mean by terms like style. I think it's really interesting because this uh, display is challenging me to decide whether this object here is a real piece of Chippendale furniture or not. And that's something that museums don't normally do. So it's making me look really hard and it's also giving me archival information so I can tell for myself what I think is the answer. And the other thing that we do is to try and explain to people what things are made of and how they're made. That's what we call our materials and techniques galleries. And they focus much more than would be the case in most museums on the how of the manufacture of objects as well as their appearance. Ironwork, silver, people within the museum approach creating them in very different ways. So if you go to the ironwork gallery, you see the concept of the museum as an encyclopedia. It's like opening an encyclopedia on the history of ironwork. Things are put up very simply, they're labeled very simply, and that's a mode of display that's actually been around in the museum almost since its founding, although that gallery was done um, in the post-war period. This object's really helpful for me because I'm doing a PhD on window grills in Renaissance Venice, and um, to be able to get close to an object like this and see how it's made is really, really important for my research. society in general wishes to see objects, as it were, saved from the wreck of time. So there is this sense of museums as agents for the preservation of what is important from the past. Four posted beds are like rooms enclosed by curtains. This bed is over 400 years old. Now, if something is kept for 400 years, do you think it's going to be in perfect condition? No. 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 But museums can also be uh, effective educational institutions, that using these collections, they can engage people in thinking about issues which they wouldn't really tackle if those collections weren't available to them. That's really nice. That's gold, mm. isn't it? Mm. How much do you think that gold, please? Like, how much money would it be? 
Museums can be powerful agents for making people feel that they belong in society. The fact that they are open, available, free to all, safe, welcoming, and full of interesting and sometimes beautiful objects creates a kind of sense of belonging to society, which of course museums only contribute to in a small way, but perhaps in a significant way. I think one of the fundamental changes that has taken place, certainly in the way that the museum looks at its visitors, is that we don't regard ourselves as the sole source of authority. It used to be that curators would say, right, I know my collection, I know the history, I will tell the public what they have to know. They will come into the museum, they will follow my story, and they will leave enlightened. We now know, maybe a bit later than we should have, that the most important thing that happens in the museum visiting experience is what the visitor brings with them. What do they want? They may want to sit down and draw, so we provide stools. They may want to follow up something in great detail, and that's where, of course, the rise of IT has helped. Now, I enjoy coming to the V&A because I'm interested in glass. These particularly interest me because these are 18th century, and although they're glass, they're painted to resemble porcelain. This one here particularly interests me, Lamo and Sap. And in fact, there are some that I would uh, like to find out more about. Despite all our aspirations, I think we probably do still um, offer very much our own view of our collections to visitors. But what is very interesting is that if you offer them the opportunity to engage, you very often learn a great deal from visitors. And I think one of the things that increasing use of IT will allow us to do is to offer visitors the chance to respond to our objects very directly, which in turn may lead us to look at them in a new light. Right, this says it's a cruet bottle. They're made circa 1765, enamel glass. And what's interesting is it says here, uh, decorated by the painter, signing himself PP or PF. Now that I haven't seen before. When you start to talk about visitors, you have to consider why they come to the museum. And although there are lots of explanations, people want a day out, they might want to get out of the rain, they might want to learn about silver or ceramics, in fact, if you really talk to people and you get to the core of the matter, most people come to the V&A to learn. One of the uh, advantages of being in the V&A is that I can see um, objects that have had similar uses but are made in different ways and in, in a nice small context so I can turn from one object to another. Um, here what we've got is a panel which um, it's thought to have been a window grill. Clearly this would have come from a fairly large house. Um, so we're very lucky to have it in the collection. It gives me an idea of what uh, rich people in larger houses would have been using to decorate their homes. We can give them opportunities for learning and looking.
but the chances are that most visitors, unless they're in an exhibition where they must follow a route, that they will choose their route, they will decide in what order they will look at things, they will decide whether they will look at three things or twelve things, they will decide whether they even bother to read the labels, some of them will decide whether to even really take in which gallery that they're in. But what we have to do is provide them with opportunities. We have to provide them with the tools that they might need to engage with our collections. What did I learn? Well, um, bits and pieces, I guess. The craftsmen of years ago were superior to the craftsmen of today. I'm very interested in Islamic art and um, calligraphy, that sort of thing, so I do tend to wander around there. I was on a bit of a magical mystery tour. I wasn't very clear where I was going. I didn't find it very, actually very clear what was coming next and where things were. I think you could come here probably all your life and still get lost, but that's part of the fun. I think you only have to go into the galleries with someone who perhaps has very little experience of objects to see those objects they light on in a completely different light because they're not bringing an expected response to them. And that gives great pause for thought. And it gives, I hope, to curators a much greater sense of modesty about what they're doing and about their ability to influence how visitors are going to think, how visitors are going to react to what we put on display. We spent uh, the better part of two hours just looking around because as a Yank, we don't have anything like that in the States. It's a treasure trove. You will get to places that you never expected to go.